WiFi Sci-Fi. WiFi Sci-Fi. What is WiFi Sci-Fi? It's Girl in Space. Tales of Sage and Savant. The Ninth World Journal. Oz9. Base Theta. Out. It's Girl in Space. WiFi Sci-Fi. What is WiFi Sci-Fi? Find out at WiFi Sci-Fi dot org. Wi-Fi Sci-Fi. Discussing Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek, a Star Trek podcast, an unofficial podcast about the CBS series Star Trek Discovery, Picard, Short Treks. We're going to talk about it all. But today we will talk about episode one and two of season two of Star Trek Short Treks titled Q&A and the Trouble with Edward. As we take a brief departure from our Discussing Picard series, which we will continue next review with Tapestry. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host slash Trekkies, starting with none other than Jeremy Barrow. How are you doing, Jeremy? I am doing great. I'm glad to be here tonight. Awesome sauce, man. Glad to have you back on. Also, we have the Trek historian, Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? Well, I'm the very model of a modern major general. I have information, <laughs> vegetable, animal, mineral. I know the kings of England, and I quote the fights historical for marathon, the water, lord, order, categorical. Okay, I'm done. How do you How do you know that? I mean, that... <laughs> you can call me number two. No, wait. No, that's... <laughs> oh, boy, we're going to get into it. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, on the call, we have the who's turned himself, Cal Jones. How you doing, man? Speechless, totally one hundred percent speechless. But in all, that was that was. I'm impressed. Starting yeah. off, I'm impressed. Out the door. <laughs> oh man, we want to thank each and every one of you for your recent reviews on iTunes. Supporting us on iTunes by leaving a review or giving us five stars helps the show get discovered. We appreciate it, guys. And as always, thanks for your support, guys. I don't have any news. Um, other than the short tricks coming out lately, do you guys have anything? Um, no, not exactly. I watched the third short trick today, which is pretty good. Yes, it was. <laughs> We're gonna but table it, but it was pretty. It was good. a short, short trick. It was less than ten minutes. Surprisingly, yeah, that and, was, and, and that's with the next on at the end of it. So yeah, it was pretty short. Yeah. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand the battle station. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you sprain something. Sir, Ensign Spock reporting for duty. No need to shout, Ensign Spock. I expect you to barrage every crewman you meet with questions, starting with me to the point you become an annoyance. Which OS are these ships' computers running? Do these synthesizers use the Katzman matrix? It might be giving an annoyance. Just starting to get a bit heavy. So the short trick Q&A originally aired on October 5th, 2019. Q&A was directed by Mark Pellington and was written by <laughs> Michael Chabon. Uh, Michael Chabon being the Pulitzer Prize winning author. Chabon also wrote Calypso from last year, last season of Short Treks, and is the showrunner slash executive producer for the upcoming Star Trek Picard series. So uh, Short Treks Q&A, uh, episode one of season two, 
Ensign Spock's first day aboard the USS Enterprise doesn't go as planned when he and number one are unexpectedly stuck together in a turbo lift. Um, he says elevator and it kind of ticks me off. But anyway, um, guys, what is your high level review of this first short track? And I'll start with you, John. Um, I, well, first of all, let me say this. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Bad. These have been I was a very big uh, I was a critic, like a bad critic of the original short tricks, short tracks, whatever, uh, because I just didn't. Like, it didn't grab my attention. It was not a lot there. It just seemed thrown together. But these short tricks have been very well put together. And, like, there was a lot in a little, if that makes sense. Uh, and there's no exception for, for Q&A. Uh, I actually got to see two sides of two characters that I never would have expected to ever see, ever. And that was very, uh, was, I was, that was a very happy moment for me. Certainly, certainly. Uh, what about you, Jeremy? Um, I, I really enjoyed both of them. You know, I, kind of like Jonathan, I, I was not a huge fan of the of last year's uh, editions, but I still enjoyed them. But I think these I enjoyed more because I, it was, you know, there was a lot in a little bit of time, and I think I think that worked out well for them. I think awesome. they, they 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 delivered what they wanted to. Okay, all right. What about you, Cal? I'm going to back up everything that the two gentlemen just said before me and also wonder, speculate, and I'll maybe ask this question to you as you give your uh, thoughts is, could it be that last season's short treks may be the reason that we weren't as connected to those episodes? Do you think that maybe these characters that we're seeing in this are either some that we've got an attachment to case in point Spock or the fact that we're interested in knowing more about case in point number one and um, Captain Pike. What do you think? I can agree in the case of number one uh, because all we get from her really, and even Captain Pike to that point, um, uh, although we get a lot more of Pike in season two of discovery. So I feel like I know him number one, we get very little of her. So it was interesting seeing more of her in this one, but to go back to um, distinguishing these from what we saw last year, I kind of feel like I'm more open this round. Um, And maybe the last time we were expecting it to tie too closely to the, the, the Star Trek discovery. But now that we have gotten introduced to these characters from the cage once again, and we, uh, and we have had fun with them for a whole season. We are open to seeing maybe, maybe the, those characters explored a little bit more. Now they may be, now these may piss off some of the, the longtime Trek fans by seeing their characters portrayed in, in this way, which maybe in Spock's case, maybe not so much in Pike's and in Una's case, but, but certainly I can see some people maybe being a little perturbed by, uh, some of the, the antics we see in these short tricks. And again, like I think this year they have a much more clearer message. They've actually said that these are meant to be a deeper dive into the key themes and characters. Um, and maybe things you may not see in a normal episode. Uh, you can see the characters from another side. And I think that's what makes it interesting. And maybe if we don't try to tie it too closely to the season, it, it it allow us to absorb it a little bit more. Uh, so we'll dive into it. 
So this short trek Q&A brings back Ethan Peck, Rebecca Romaine, and Anson Mount to reprise their roles as Spock number one and Captain Pike from season two. We see Spock beaming aboard the Enterprise from what we're told is the first time. So I don't know. I want to I want to get you guys opinion on Una's um, mandate to Spock for giving these barrage of questions. And to me, that just sounds like a bad idea in a way, because I could just see that I could instantly see that being annoying, which I think we do see um, in the short trek. So just thoughts on that initial um, minute when he beams aboard and his first interaction with Una, uh, any, any thoughts from you guys? So I, I didn't really take it as a mandate, more of a, she was saying, you know, hey, normally we're going to have to go through this anyway because you're a science officer. So, like, go on and get it out of the way. You know what I mean? Not yeah. like this is what you have to do when you come aboard the Enterprise as a science officer. It's kind of like a, you know, you're going to do this anyway just because let's go on and get it out of the way type deal. Mm. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Uh, I I just, you know, more on a broad answer to this. I just like seeing this extra peel back the layers of Spock and seeing more exploration and explanation of the human side. So, so I, I know that's not the exact question you're asking, but I enjoyed that. Yes. Yeah, so, so uh, one of the things I loved when we see Spock initially come aboard, he doesn't, he doesn't do it as overt that I, as I think he does in the cage, but um as Leonard Nimoy does in the cage, but he definitely uh, is back to that robotic kind of shouty self that he is in the, in the pilot. <laughs> and I just like laughed out loud when I saw that. And she like tells him, <laughs> tells him to relax a little bit, but <laughs> I just love that little bit of nod to, to the pilot, which is just freaking awesome. Um, but then we go to what Una calls the elevator uh, to the turbo lift. <laughs> <sighs> And so do you think that was a design or a writing error? I don't think it was a writing error. Um, you know, I, I'm used to, to it being called Turbolift. Maybe somebody listening can tell me if it's ever been called Elevator other than right now. I've always heard it called the Turbolift. And maybe they're just nitpicky. Um, In all of my Star Trek venturing and watching, I've never heard it referred to by anything else other than Turbolift. Yeah. Or yeah. I've... I think maybe there was an alien species said the lift. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to create an in-canon explanation. So just bear with me here. Could we agree that the look of the Enterprise is sort of retro in its look? Of even the way, you know, this Enterprise, I know it looks more updated than the original 60s version. But but let's just say maybe that this is sort of like the retro design. And she was poking fun at the retro design by calling it an elevator, maybe. <laughs> yeah, hmm. that, that works. That works. But, you know, uh, to... Tell somebody like Spock, who we know is very smart and by nature is probably very inquisitive to just barrage you with questions. Um, then the, the pain starts once they're stuck on the elevator. <laughs> so I'm going to just go through some of the points that we learn from the questions and maybe you guys can give just some quick whatever, uh, comes to your mind, uh, that the particular item 
uh, makes you feel. And we'll try to go through these pretty quick. So the, the lieutenant commander is always to be dressed, addressed as number one. Thoughts? Mm. I don't think they, they, I don't think they kept in line with that because didn't we first hear number one? I hope I'm not speaking blasphemy here, but didn't the original series not refer to someone as number one? I, oh, she's the yep. first number one. She is number one. I know, yeah, but, 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 but did anybody actually have that <laughs> title in Star Trek, this, the original series proper? None other than her in the pilot. I uh, mean, yeah, he. They always called her Una was always number one, number even one. in original. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't think we ever got Una in the pilot, if I'm not mistaken. I think yeah, I don't think they gave her a name until like recently. Got you. Okay. All right. Let's go to the next one, which I <laughs> I love this one as well. <laughs> Captain Pike values the opinion of his crew, believes that resorting to the use of force is an admission of failure, and he's utterly unsentimental with everything except horses. Um. Any thoughts on that, John? Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so many thoughts. So, I mean, the horses, you immediately think back to the uh, pilot episode, of course. Yeah. Uh, So good. (laughs) Yeah, they they kind of threw that in there, I think, just for kind of a shout out to that. Uh, You know, I don't quite agree. So how, how did they say it about the... She said something about even though he was the most highly decorated war captain or battle captain. Active combat captain, I think. Right. That just didn't fit for me with him. You know? Well, I think that kind of got established in season two of of Discovery. That moment when he's in front of the crew and they're showing all of his accolades. But why Um, is that important to describe him? Well, it's I think she just stated it in that instance to say, even though he's this awesome combat person, he believes that resorting to violence is you've already failed. So it's sort of like the Zen karate, you know, Kung Fu, uh, (laughs) you know, do not. Yeah. So I I think that's what they're going going for with that. I, I still very much liked it. And and I also love that that the notion that he actually values the opinion of his crew, because we know all captains aren't like that. So, I mean, I, I just thought all of everything they said just pretty much sums up with uh, what Captain Pike is. So I really love that. And I also agree with Spock's, uh, how, I guess the way he took it is she's kind of like infatuated with him or love him by the way she described him. That's true. But, who isn't infatuated with Captain Pike? <laughs> well, I mean, it was different with the way she did it. You know what I mean? Oh, it wasn't a, like oh. it wasn't like a, a respectful, like this is the greatest captain of all time, and I want to be just like him, or I love serving with him. It was like a man, I want to take him to my bed. <laughs> oh, come on, Jen. no, no, no. <laughs> see, see, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't get that either. Uh, uh, email uh, Jonathan Shorts. At- Shorts. <laughs> 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 oh, and and also like what I get from I'm gonna go through the next two really quick because they really don't really value to them other than knowing what they are. The ship runs on a certain OS because the other OS was inelegant, according to Una. And also uh, they had the comment about the replicator matrix, which she also did something to to do her own version of it. I thought that was interesting because it shows me that she's kind of a. Uh, Control freak, and maybe that's a bad way to put it. Uh, she likes being in control. She likes things to go by the book. That's what it sounds. And um, 
even when she gets down here to she makes the statement of um for one's own sake you should not question the ethics or morality of the prime directive now i thought that was a big nod to us never really following it (laughs) or when we have to we're going to break it What, what did you think about that jeremy I don't know if it's more of a control as more as much as a perfectionist type. You know, it wasn't working good enough for her, so she fixed it to where it worked the way she wanted it to work. Control. And, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, I can see both, but I, I feel it's more of a a need for perfection. What What about her comments on the Prime Directive? <sighs> Nobody follows the Prime Directive. Fuck <laughs> like it should. Um, it's cute that she tries. Yeah. But uh, I think that that's that's wishful thinking, probably on her part. Mm. Any other thoughts on that from anybody? So I I kind of saw the prime directive comment more so as poking fun of 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 itself, like the the you know the story of Star Trek anyway, because it's what you guys are saying. Nobody pays attention to it anyway, for the most part. And I thought that was more of like just an end story, making poking fun of themselves yeah. as from more of a meta thing that you're <laughs> like, you know, we've got to do this, we've got to do this, when in fact you really don't. Yeah, we got this rule. <laughs> we got this rule that we live by, but we're going to break it a lot when we have exactly. to. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I know that feeling all too well. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, I, I kind of got, I mean, the same thing you guys are saying, but I also kind of got the feeling like, you know, yes, yeah, she's poking fun at it, and she knows that all the way up to Pike that the Prime Directive is flexible at best ah. uh, as she doesn't want to ruin spot. Like she wants that strict. She needs to bring a strictness back to the ship uh, order. And she sees that in spot. I can see that. I that can see yeah. That. I like that actually better than my yeah. story poking fun at themselves. I like that better. I mean, and then like you got to think too in anything, even if the rules are flexible, you want, a newcomer to come in being adhering to the current rule set strictly because if they come in right. lackadaisic and <laughs> they're only right. going to go downhill from there if they're already not doing it right. So you have a strict battle book. We're going to try to follow this as closely as possible, but there is some gray area in there when we have to by no other means we can follow the rules. We may have to break it a bit. So I do like that. And the whole meta, as you guys mentioned. Um, so they're trapped in the, um, elevator, no turbo lift for <laughs> <laughs> the turbo Vader. The tur- yeah, Vader. <laughs> I like it. Turbo mm. Vader. <laughs> Look out, Kylo. Uh, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, I got that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they're stuck on a turbo lift and then we have a very Scotty sounding female engineer. Let the two know that they're doing everything they can and that help is on the way, but not before a bit of crazy happens. So, um, anybody wanted to set this scene because I, my first time seeing this, I was just like, what are they doing to Star Trek? <laughs> so, <laughs> so anybody want to discuss um, Una talking about Spock having a bit of smile upon beaming aboard and that, you know, you might have to hold the crazy back every now and then to get by. Um, any any thoughts on that? This whole modern major general um, serenade that we got. Um, everybody has a bit of crazy question mark. Any thoughts? 
Well, I'm... No, I'm not going to do it again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before anybody gets in it, I just want to say quickly, I also like the fact that I think number one, or Una, was having him fire off these questions. It surprised me that she had answers immediately. Yes, she did. Like, she is, and I don't mean this demeaning, she is smarter than I thought she was. I'm not saying she was dumb or not smart to begin with. But like she is really an intellectual, like on Spock's level. Yes. And maybe she assumed that is which is why she was egging him on to do it. Yes. Yes. And real quick, I know it's different. But anyway, uh, in the book Desperate Hours, which is a discovery book, there is a great team up of this before they decided Spock will be coming be lost in the whole rift between him and Michael Burnham. They actually had an, an adventure in this book where, where, and this happens before season two of discovery where um, Burnham and Spock is paired together and Saru and Una are paired together and they work so freaking well together. Yes. So it's, it's like, she's just as sharp. She has that Spock like mentality, very um, detail oriented and, you know, just an all around excellent officer. And she has some of those same sentimentalities as Spock and as Saru. You know, they're kind of the sort of kind of the same characters in the way they operate. So I just I just thought that in that book was just an excellent portrayal. And I love seeing it here where we get to see the two together again. So, yeah. um, Yeah. 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 Awesome. So anybody want to talk about this crazy um, or elaborate on what John said? Mm, the only thing I would add to that is the first time I watched it, it was like, I think kind of what you were saying, Clarence, is what happened to Star Trek. The second time I watched it, I kind of got that feeling that I kind of said earlier about seeing this other level of Spock or part of his personality, because that's something that is so alien for something that Spock would do. And I kind of, even though that was weird having the musical thing, I just kind of <laughs> think that was kind of cool at the same time. Weird, but cool. Mm. Any thoughts, Jeremy? Um, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it, to me, it just came out of nowhere. And I just thought, well, sometimes you just got to be, you got to be crazy to break the monotony of life. And, you know, it's just, you know, that that's how they keep the sanity. And it worked out. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it kind of like a holodeck episode. You know, usually, I mean, it looks weird to us now because they're in a elevator, turbo later, whatever. (laughs) But you know, if this would have been, if this would have been TNG or Voyager, that same same sequence would have happened somewhere on a holodeck, and we'd have been okay with it. Yeah, you you know what I mean. But as we know, as far as we know, there's no holodeck there, so. That's kind of where it played out. So that's kind of where I took it. I mean, and all through Star Trek, we always get to see that alternate side of these characters played out through the holodeck. And I've always been appreciative of that because you see a lot of talents that these specific actors have that you wouldn't normally see in their everyday interaction on the ship. So I I really appreciated it, number one. Uh, Number two, what also stood out to me was there was kind of a more than friendship relationship building between the two and it sparked an emotion from Spock. And I think I mentioned this to Jeremy once a couple of days ago, like I seen a, 
I, I guess is what for Spock you would call an outburst of emotion that you've kind of been begging for since you've watched Spock. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you always see Spock and you're like, man, he just needs to let go. Like I see it in there. Yeah. Like he wants to laugh and yell and scream and dance and sing, but he never does. And that's kind of like what we always just want. And I think you got it there. And yeah. that, that that was very appreciative in that scene too. And then we break into the whole major general song, uh, yeah. which really shocked me with her. Uh, <laughs> and she has a good voice. Yeah. Rugger does. Like singing is not is not strange in Star Trek. Actually, I mean no. Cisco's done it. I mean a lot of people have song on a Star Trek episode, so that's not the weirdest thing in the world. But I just was not expecting it at all here. <laughs> like you said, it wasn't it wasn't in in um on the holodeck or um or Data doing something silly. You know, it it, it was just like a normal everyday um. Uh, process and 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 and, and living, so I, it it just felt weird, but it did grow on me, and um, I definitely loved seeing it there. And man, I, I really like uh, Rebecca Romaine's character, Una, and I, man, don't we want to just see more of these characters? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yes. agreed. And also, I think this this particular short trick, this moment with her singing, kind of made me dial back a little bit my I'm not gonna say really expectations, but I guess so expectations of it being so serious and tie into the season. No. These characters have other sides. And with Discovery being so serious and even Picard looking like it's gonna be so serious, this is the outlet. This is the outlet for all those things that happen, the short treks. And and um Especially when we, once we get into the next episode, it's, it's definitely, um, definitely a lot of playfulness going on. And I'm, and I'm fine with that as long as it doesn't break canon and we're going to get in that with trouble with Edward. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we wrap this one up, guys, any, any other thoughts before we roll on to the next short trick? So a quick sidebar, you know, there's, I mentioned this in a few podcasts back. Uh, there's someone in, I don't know, somewhere in Europe, they're developing sort of a turbo lift type deal. They're going to put in this high rise building and it's like one car carriage, whatever you'd call it. It goes up, down, but it also goes side to side. And it's kind of on a like it gets to a certain juncture where the rail will turn and let it go side to side of it. So and we actually get, if I'm not mistaken, and if someone knows better, they can email us and let us know. But it's the first time we actually get a glimpse like inside of how the turbo lift operates. Oh, so we, I know. If, yeah, we actually get that in season two of Discovery as well. And I hated it. Did we? <laughs> we I didn't did. remember seeing that. Yeah, we, yeah, it was. We it did. Was a little bit. Yeah. Well, I was going to say it's always a curiosity to me when we get especially when you're watching DS9 and they get in a turbo lift and they say, Oprah pylon two. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know this, you're coming from the bridge and they stayed on this one turbo lift. So how did it get from the center of the station to the outside and up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That does make a lot of sense. And man, uh, I don't want to spoil the, the, the next short trick with, with Pike, but they have a scene of the enterprises engineering room. And some people might be mad when they see it because it's so different. Yeah. <laughs> it is so different. It's so different from discoveries. It, it looks like something. Oh, it, I don't know. <laughs> I had an issue or two with that. Yeah. 
So, uh, guys, we are going to roll along. Oh, yeah, I had one more comment before we move on real quick. I think maybe since in the cage, Spock is so different. Could this moment with Una be the catalyst to him maybe bushing up the hair and letting loose a little bit? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. But let's move right along, guys. And guys, if you're listening, you have any comments on Q&A that we missed or you just want to point out something, please send fan mail in the fans at DiscussingTrek.com. And let's go ahead and get into the review of the second short, short Trek, uh, episode two, The Trouble with Edward, which originally aired October 10, 2019, directed by Daniel Lungino and written by Graham Wagner. Wagner was a writer for Silicon Valley, Portlandia, and the office as you can see they're very slow moving so they would be easy to hunt people call them triples cute oh there's been a lab breach i made one of the most important scientific discoveries of our time don't show any weakness or they will eat you alive good luck out there captain Kyle, what do you think of this episode, man? Okay, I actually like this one a lot better than Q&A, but the actor who played Edward, kudos to him because that character was freaking creepy. Just <laughs> yes. slimy and creepy. And the actor pulled it off excellently. But yes, I mean, I, I, I thought this was a cool episode, but yes, kudos to the actor because this guy was just, you just wanted to kick him. <laughs> what a freaking jerk <laughs> uh speaking of the actor why, why you brought him up uh the actor's name is john h benjamin who is an actor and writer known for playing archer and archer oh that is i did not know and, that was him and bob oh, and bob's burgers cool. oh, that is too cool i didn't know that yeah. was him <laughs> so he's he's a very prolific voice actor at this point which is pretty freaking cool uh john what do you think man uh, I have one question. Uh oh. How the crap did he make it through Starfleet? <laughs> <laughs> Explain that to me. Like, if he made it all the way through the academy and got placed on a Starfleet science ves- vessel, I think Starfleet failed. But didn't the captain also ask the same question? How did you make it this far? Uh, uh, if she uh, did, it like was that. valid. Okay, the, the USS Cabot is not the most prolific ship in Star Trek history. To me, it's it almost like to, to to me the the ship is probably like the lower decks of ships, you know. And maybe people there aren't the big best and brightest, and maybe you can just hide away there and and you know just be a a hole <laughs> and not you know interact with a lot of people maybe just like can be a hermit and kind of be your jerky self but i mean i totally agree with you he's like the worst officer in starfleet history <laughs> well not only that he was a hermit or a jerk or he was stupid i don't know without, if he, he was he was a- test taking and human interacting are two completely different creatures <laughs> and so you know maybe he was just one of those on paper oh this guy's brilliant let's send him over here but wasn't he brilliant? But when you meet him in person, he's like a jerkweed. But wasn't he brilliant, though? He was able to engineer these triples yeah, I mean, into re- reproducing, mass reproducing. So he wasn't dumb. I mean, he, he took this very delicate furry scallops and managed to where they're born <laughs> pregnant and, he had you no, know, he not was, delicate. 
Yeah, he has no street, no uh, street smarts or whatever. He no walking around sense. Yeah, but yeah, isn't but, that like a prerequisite for Starfleet? You know, there's like thousands of people I'm sure every year who sign up, and you know, sometimes one falls through the cracks. And and and, and could it just be a comedy of? Timing in the sense of this is this guy that has been doing for the past one year, 10 years, however many years it was, that he's doing whatever it is that he's doing. And he, yes, he irritates everybody. And yes, he gets on everybody's nerves. But he ultimately does his little thing and doesn't have any impact. And just by the stroke of coincidence slash brilliance, he does something that creates what he creates. So is it just like a comedy of circumstance going on here? Okay, well, let me let me add something else in, because I just had to Google it to be sure. He is, his rank is lieutenant. <sighs> this is not a cadet or ensign, or it's a lieutenant. Harry Kim couldn't get higher than him. <laughs> But, 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 but also remember, also remember we're coming off of wartime. So it could have been, we need to take everybody we can thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Could be, be okay. a field okay. commission. I digress. I digress. Mm. Uh, see, I have two explanations for that. Two plausible explanations. Okay. Explanation number one, he bought, like, as in he knew his parents or somebody bought him that lieutenant ship, or they kept promoting him to get rid of him. One or the other. Yeah. Pick your poison. Like, he really made me think of Lieutenant Broccoli. No, Barkley. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the holiday Broccoli. addiction guy we all know and love. Yeah. And I said, man, he even makes Barkley look like a god because he's so bad. <laughs> he's so, he so bad. Oh, my goodness. But that's <sighs> what made this, this short trick good, though. So I give him that. He did something right. Well, poor Captain Lucero, who um, we see Captain Pike, um, you know, giving her the send off, the send off a, a few tidbits. Now, if you you pretty much recommended or required watching for this is uh, The Trouble with Tribbles. And even I watched I watched that along with the trial um, trials and tribulations, the DS9 episode. Uh, both of them, you're going to get tidbits from those episodes in here. So Captain Pike was talking to Lucero as they were walking to the, the, um, transporter. And he mentioned that their research would be helping a civilization on the edge of starvation at the edge of Klingon space. And that's a di- direct reference to Troubles with Tribbles, where they were trying to, um, grow this, uh, quadrotrechicil grain, uh, which was developed, um, to help, uh, Sherman's planet. Uh, because growing anything on that planet was inhospitable. So I kind of got that her research was supposed to be starting this or maybe pushing this research along on this research vessel, uh, which I found very, very interesting. And, um, if spoilers for the trouble with tribbles, uh, if you haven't seen it. So the way that ties in is that the Klingons knew that they wanted to inhabit this planet and they actually poisoned the grain in troubles with, uh, tribbles. So uh, this just all ties directly in. And also is things that happen in this episode that make no sense, because if they had known some of these things, um, the trouble with tribbles episode would not take place. So that's my biggest gripe with this episode. It's like some canon uh, inconsistencies, some huge, huge canon inconsistencies um, in the trouble in troubles, the trouble with tribbles. 
um, Bones has to figure out that these Tribbles are born pregnant. So if this episode happens, if this short trick happens, he should already know that. I mean, it basically destroyed a whole ship. So, so for them not to even basically know what tribbles are by the time we get to that episode, it kind of doesn't make any sense. So we have that. Um, so let me ask you guys this. I mean, uh, J- Jeremy, you mentioned the scallop thing and that, you know, was it really that much of a big idea if their whole mission is to create something to help this starving planet? Um, was that really a bad idea to use those things as food? I know you have to check to see if they're sentient or whatever, but it, it, was he that wrong, actually? Indeed. <laughs> I think his heart was in the right place. Because <laughs> he, he was a, his because stomach he could, was in the right place. <laughs> he's, he said that he was like a protein specialist. A uh, protein specialist, which is, you know, which I'm assuming was the, was the whole point of these uh, tribbles. He's good with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he tried. He tried. Bless his heart. He, he just, he tried. <laughs> and 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 for that matter, like, what was his hang up with Captain Lacero? Like, she did basically nothing to him except ask him like what he's working on, and he like had it out for her for the rest of the episode. Well, because she made him seem stupid in the <laughs> staff meeting, which he was. He really was. Yeah. But she kind of like, and then everybody else was kind of laughing at him when. She I was mean, patronizing him, kind of. She's I'm like, pretty Whoop. sure they were doing that beforehand, but well, yeah, now yeah. that she's here and she kind of called him out on it, yeah, that makes you even worse. Like, I, I mean, know every, I know all my buddies talk about me, right? But it's yeah. okay because I'm used to it. Now I have a leader coming in that's going to also insult me. She don't know me like that. Right. She's talking about me. I can't. We can't do that. Yeah, but regardless of talking about him, though, I think his issue more so was. You took away my pet project, no trouble uh, intended. But you know, you're you're pretty much saying you can't do what you want to do anymore. You're going to be doing something completely different. And then, yes, it goes into the you know kind of embarrassing him in front of the others. But I'm thinking it was more so maybe he wanted to do what he was doing, and and yeah. she was the first person that says no, you can't. All right, <laughs> I, I agree with. You. So I agree with you. But to answer your question, Clarence, he, I do agree. He was maybe not wrong. So yeah. if you're facing a epidemic like a a starvation on a planetary level, and you can make these things breathe that fast and they're edible, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well. like, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking, like, if we were here in the U.S. and all food was dead for some disaster and we had to survive and that was it, like, would we not? Yeah, we definitely mm. would. But, I mean, he, but, but, but would it give you pause, just a little bit of pause, if you knew that whatever that you were eating survived came at a l- little bit of human DNA, however you oh, yeah. your imagination yeah, wanted you know, to see, put that in the mix? You throw that in there, that's kind of yeah. different. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the DNA. But we didn't know that till later. Yeah. So, a few things. Um, Edward, in his ultimately uh his insubordination writing to starfleet complaining about captain lucero uh no pants what really um 
Like this is, has to be a low for Starfleet. This <laughs> I'm telling you, this is terrible. But it's so hilarious. People failed. I, I don't understand. How did he get through the system? Right. And it's not like you just go sit through class and you have five or six subjects <laughs> in that one class. Like you have to go to specific areas. Like there's self-defense. There's basic <laughs> ethics. There's a, you know, there's yeah. individual specific areas you have to, Wesley Crusher had a hard time doing this. Oh, <laughs> boy. I just don't understand. I don't understand. There were several bars of gold press latinum with his name <laughs> on it and that uh, <laughs> lieutenant ship. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I find that they didn't mention in this short trick, um, the, okay, let me see if I remember this right. The tribbles have a psychotropic, I think that's how they uh, said it, effect on people to where they, people think they're so cute and cuddly and they're enamored by them. They don't really address that at all in this short trick. I don't think. Right. Uh, so, they, well, I mean, they do, in the first meeting, she talks about how cute they, they she mentions how cute they are, but they, I think that's as far as they, yeah, that might, that might just be a nod to it, but that, they they didn't say anything specific to that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you with these sound effects. <laughs> yeah, like like on the on the TSF on the TOS on the TOS episode, they very much are coddling these things, and like they're the cutest. They're taking them all around the ship. Meanwhile, they're multiplying and multiplying, but they're still you know until the point where it starts to get too much. They think they're the cutest things ever, and. Yeah, like the whole crew is pretty much involved in thinking they're cute and whatever. But but they, but again, like getting back to this short trick, um, my biggest issue with, with it is the whole canon thing, because if this happened and obviously all of Starfleet knows about this event, she went to Starfleet headquarters and got almost, I guess, court martialed or just about to be court martialed, marshaled over the issue. But still, it affects the, the Enterprise, you know, which what I'm assuming is later. Uh, than this so yeah pretty weird pretty weird or maybe it's one of those things starfleet realized that it was their fault they let this loon through <laughs> and they decided to classify this information there you go <laughs> you yeah. know, like we're not gonna talk about this yeah like would you want to talk about that yeah who signed off on this idiot <laughs> right, and that's We're what she says at the end. The <laughs> she kind of says, "How did this happen?" He's an idiot. Well, <laughs> well you know, to add something to you know, some um, a little bit more credence to what Jonathan just said, because I, I, I agree with that. I think you're right. You've got these civilizations who are now being impacted. You you say that it's now in Klingon space that they're also yeah. at. So <laughs> you're not talking about that because you don't want people to know, even the Enterprise, to know that we're responsible for these things. Yeah, and and now to mention real quick, and a nod to that, maybe that makes sense because by the time we get to the TOS episode. Um, the Klingons already know about the Tribbles and they hate them. <laughs> they hate them. Uh, cause, cause they can, they, they purr when they're around them and they, they're just like creeped out by them. So, um, yeah, I think you know they, I, I think they had destroyed a whole planet to get rid of them at some point. They did. But you know, <laughs> if you remember at the end of this short trick, it says that they've now made it to the Klingon homeworld. Yes. So, Klingons had an issue with them and it almost destroyed their world because Worf says so in the Trouble with Tribbles episode. He kind of hints to that. Yeah. Uh, and in order to control it, the Klingons had an armada go to this 
their home, the triple home planet, <laughs> and pretty much wipes them off, wipes them, wipes them out. The Klingon uh, greatest flow. Which, couple of side notes, the on their triple home planet, the population was controlled by a, like they had a large, a large amount of reptiles that fed off of them. Huh. So they kind of kept them in check for a while. But also, if we go back, I did a little research. Um, there was a episode on the Enterprise, the Jonathan Archer days. Uh, and it's on the episode called Breach, where Flox, at the beginning, Flox was feeding a tribble to his bats. Interesting. Yeah. And he made the comment that they were, pro- I don't know how to say they were, prodigious breeders. But he also made the comment that there is two separate species of tribbles. And so we're to assume that one was a strong breeder and the other was not. Interesting. I didn't I didn't realize that. That's awesome. So what does that mean for this episode? <laughs> uh, what well, kind of throws the whole Starfleet shoved it under the table out the window? Yeah. Yeah. Because if they knew about it on Enterprise, I mean, if Flocks knew about it. Yeah. So the, how do they survive space? Say that again. How do they survive? Is there anything that states that they that they are they can survive the vacuum of space or because I don't think they ever had to. Mm. Did but didn't they didn't they kind of I I got to go with Jeremy there didn't they say that some of the triples got to the planet below? But, but yeah. But they again, could have stowed away on the ship when they it, escaped away. Yeah, if it's just one, all you need is one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And maybe that ship actually, all, some of it crashed to the planet, and there were some of them still alive. And, but then the clean, then it gets Klingon. It's the it's Klingons land on the planet. To, Same way, Klingons yeah. came and grabbed one, and maybe they were hungry. Or yeah, or it could have been a Klingon you know, seeing a seeing in a, the destroyed Cabot and just uh, right. investigating. You know? Yeah, so it could be any number of things. All right. Well, I mean, any other thoughts on this episode? Uh, uh, Again, like with these short tricks, I'm starting to look at the, them as being just fun jaunts in the <laughs> in the Star Trek universe and not taking them all that serious. But I think there's still value. Uh, what are you guys? They're becoming less like the last season. They were integral to the to the upcoming season, to the upcoming plot. More for the most part, this time I think they're just fun filler. To kind of get us through to the next season. Ah, good point. Good mm-hmm. point. Yep, I agree with that. My problem with the first ones, which we found out I was wrong and I was happy about it, was like I didn't enjoy them, and I was really going to be mad if they did not tie in to the series at all, which they did a little bit for the most part. So I was happy about that. This time, I really enjoy them. And they are a great filler, but again, I'll be disappointed if we do not see a tie-in. All right. I don't know how we could see a tie-in. I think the last one is going to be about Picard, the Picard series tie-in some way. I think the last one definitely will tie into the Picard series, so that should be interesting. All right, guys. Well, one quick shout out before we wrap things up. Um, again, like Michael Shaban wrote Q&A and there's an excellent article uh, titled The Final Frontier on The New Yorker. And it's actually him talking about writing that episode 
while in a room with his father who was dying at the time. Oh, oh and, and, and his father is like the hugest Star Trek fan. He's the one who got Michael Chabon into Star Trek. Um, and it's just an excellent, re- excellently written article where he's talking about, you know, the experience with his father and his father giving his top 10 TOS episodes, which we need to review each and every one of them. <laughs> so it, it, it's just an excellent, long, meaty read. And if you want to listen, they did an audio narration of the article, which is 26 minutes long. Back in the turbo lift, number one made the banal observation that people were reluctant to talk in elevators. Ensign Spock conceded her point but I wondered if this would remain true in the 23rd century. Once the eugenics wars were over and Zephram Cochran had invented the warp drive, surely humanity would find a way to eliminate awkwardness, along with war, intolerance, avarice, superstition, and other pressing social ills. I tried to divert myself with this question from pondering what it would be like if my father died while I was sitting next to his bed in a sleeper chair, wearing drawstring pajama bottoms and an Illmatic t-shirt, with my stocking feet up on the extendable footrest, and my iPad in its keyboard case open in my lap, writing a short film about Mr. Spock's first day on the job. I wondered if I would see or otherwise sense the instant when the hundred billion neurons in my father's brain abandoned the eighty-year feat of electrochemical ledger domain known as Robert Shabon, and the father I had loved so imperfectly, and by whom I had been so imperfectly loved, pulled off one last vanishing act. Which, you, again, you could check out by going to thenewyorker.com and just searching for The Final Frontier. So let's go around a horn and see what everybody is working on. And we're going to start first with Jeremy Barrow. What are you working on, man? Or listening to or watching that you want to uh, talk about? Before we wrap things up, um, I like many other people have gotten Disney Plus this week since it is launched. And if you have not seen the first two episodes of The Mandalorian, oh. you need to. That's really good. Yes, 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 uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and totally um, oh, go ahead. No, I said I totally agree, man. It's freaking man. There's some stuff in there I did not expect, but it's great. Agree. I'm loving. Oh it. yeah. Great. Oh yeah. And I have to say, my, my my middle child and I had a, this really weird experience. He was watching the new DuckTales on Disney Plus on his PS4. I was watching the old DuckTales on Disney Plus on my phone. And we were both watching the introduction episode of Magicka Dispel huh. for the respective series, like at the same time. So we just had that little cool little bonding moment where we both turned around at the same time and go, is that Magicka Dispel? <laughs> so. That's awesome. You know, so there's, so there's, you know, little things like that. <laughs> the little things in life. Yeah. Man, Disney Plus is the, cu- Go ahead. And then we cussed at each other and went about our, our, our business. Oh. <laughs> 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 but, man, Disney Plus is freaking awesome. I spent at least 40 minutes just going and listening to the introduction of all my late 80s, early 90s Disney cartoons and just were serenaded by each of the theme songs, which were man. Yeah. I, that one too. That one too, man. We, oh, we so did great. that. I, I think he found a YouTube video that had like all of them. He had, had me identify as many of them as I could think of without looking at the video. <laughs> and I got, and I got like 90% of them. Like there was some, like, I don't know where the hell they came up with this at. I don't remember this in my nineties and eighties, but uh, 
Man, the art of the theme song is lost. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. What about you, John? Man, what are you working on? Podcast later? Otherwise, listening to or whatever? Um, not really much of anything, man. I I've kind of decided I'm going to back away from watching pretty much anything other than Star Trek because I'll never give that up. But I find myself sitting in front of the TV a little too long when I do sit in front of the TV. Uh, so, but then a lot of that's because there's really not much on that I'm watching either blacklist and all that, but maybe I'll snag, go watch some Disney plus with Jeremy here eventually and watch the Mandalorian. Cause everybody has seen it other than me, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do have one quick thing. It's about our triple episode. I found uh, CBS teamed up with this company called science division and probably early 2020, you can buy your own actual Tribble. It's an interactive Tribble. Interesting. Uh, it comes with an app, and you can program this app to, well, no, you can use the app to kind of set different modes on your Tribble. So whenever someone comes close to it, it kind of does its little purr thing, or <laughs> or it can do the little scream thing like there's a clean on or something. So, yeah, just interesting. Interesting. 70 bucks. Eee. Yeah. <laughs> I do actually own a triple I got from um Loot Crate, but it, it doesn't purr. Don't feed it. it. Do not feed it. <laughs> I thought that was gremlins. No, it's the tribbles too. I know. I'm just playing. Gremlins can't feed it for midnight. <laughs> oh, that's how uh, it's midnight, I don't know. <laughs> but don't get it wrong. What? Right. All right. Well, Kyle Jones, man, what are you working on? Podcast related or otherwise listening to or whatever? You know, I would always point anyone who is a Doctor Who fan to check us out on DiscussingWho.com, where we talk all things, guess what, Doctor Who. Awesome sauce. And I'm going to direct each and every one of you on the podcast player of your choice to check out Relativity Podcast by going and just searching for Relativity. Or also going by RelativityPodcast.com, where we are well into the final season and we're having a lot of fun. And I'm just enjoying even though I'm on it, I'm enjoying listening to all those episodes and I'll keep saying it. Uh, if you haven't, make sure you check out the Relativity Podcast. It is fantastic and audio surgery for your ears and mind. Check it out. You can leave us feedback, guys, by going to any of the social medias, searching for at Discussing Trek or sending in fan mail to fans at DiscussingTrek.com. Please leave us, leave us a line. Also, be sure to actually review us on the podcasting platform of your choice we appreciate that once again and guys thank you for joining us and until next time guys live long and prosper Thanks for listening to the Discussing Trek podcast. For more information, go to DiscussingTrek.com slash subscribe.
If you enjoyed this podcast, you may also like Relativity is an audio drama serial about two people, a woman on Earth and a man in space, struggling to remain connected, to help one another through life and death situations. Their only link across the vast emptiness of the cosmos is the sound of each other's voices. Find out more at relativitypodcast.com. Relativity. Discussing at work.